Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, everyone. Paul here from Loose Units. Don't need to state the obvious, but um, I've got some very, very, very important housekeeping up the front. Three very exciting and important pieces of news for you, so make sure you listen very closely. First of all, um, Dad is overseas for two weeks, so there'll be no loose units next week or the week after, but we'll be back before you know it with brand new episodes, and I will be throwing in some bonus content for you on the feed during the break. So you'll still be getting something on your uh, Loose Units podcast feed every single week. Um, it's going to be pretty strange stuff, but keep your ears open. We've got you covered. Secondly, the Loose Units audiobook is going to be available literally everywhere, um, to be specific, everywhere that audiobooks are available. So Audible, iTunes, all those other places. It'll be available on April the 1st. Now, I did tell them that April the 1st was kind of a kind of a strange date to announce anything, but rest assured, the Loose Units audiobook that I recorded and did a special intro with Dad for is going to be up and everywhere. And if you like the podcast, but you've been holding off from getting the book, um, grab the audiobook. Or alternatively, if you're a fan of the book and the show and you want to hear the book being read to you, then go and grab it because I really, I'm, I'm really proud of it, and it was, it was a very strange, strange week of recording. Finally, um, my fiance Tegan Higginbotham, who you may know from her work on Whose Line Is It Anyway, um, she's on Whovians on the ABC, Oddball, um, Have You Been Paying Attention, lots of footy stuff, you name it. She's amazing, and she spent many, many months working on a brand new podcast, and it's called Rue Lamarck, um, which is R U E. L-A-M-A-R-C-K. It's named after a street in Paris. And it's a podcast about why people get obsessed with France. And I'm producing and engineering it. And it's a weekly series. It's on iTunes later this week. It's just launched. We've built a really snazzy site for it over at rulamark.com. And it's packed with amazing guests. It's funny. And it's weird. And it's just, there's so much going on in it. And we've poured so much time and love and effort into Rulamark. And I think it's really special. And when Loose Units first went up on Michelle Laurie's True Crime podcast feed, you all showed me so much love and you came over here and you subscribed. So what I would love is if we could do the same for Tegan with Ruler Mark. So head across to iTunes probably around Friday. Hit subscribe. Have a listen to it. Uh, and if you like it, review it and rate it. I think you'll actually really enjoy it. Even if you're not into France, this is the show that will get you into France. It's called Ruler Mark and it's a series about our love for the city of love from an amazing comedian who, by all accounts, is awesome. You can listen on the website right now. So anyway, that's enough housekeeping. Enjoy Loose Units this week. I think it's a really special episode, and we will see you in a few weeks. Although, if we include bonus content, which we absolutely will, I'll see you next week. Enjoy the show. When I was a little kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 80s in Sydney, which is generally regarded as the wild west of law enforcement. A terrifying time to be a cop or a criminal or just to be in Sydney full stop. 
and I one day stumbled upon his case files and they absolutely ruined me. So years later, I approached Dad and we went through his old case files together and it became a book, Loose Units. It's in stores right now, actually. And now we're doing a podcast about it. Loose Units, the podcast, is a weekly true crime podcast where I sit across from my dad, an ex-cop from the 80s, and we dive deep into the seedy underbelly of Sydney's policing. So we're doing this podcast down here in Collingwood every week at Castaway Studios together, and we hope you enjoy it. So it's the final episode of season one of Loose Units, the podcast, which is a massive, massive bummer for me. And we've got a lot to get through uh, before we wrap this season up. We will be back in a few weeks. We're just going to take a short break because um, dad's hair's gone greyer from telling these stories, uh, which I didn't think possible. So, dad, you've given me a list of prompts for like some just rapid fire cases to just fang it through. Now, feel free to take as much time with these as you want, because sometimes these really do go off into tangents. Also, can I just say um, thank you so much to everyone for listening to this season. It's been just so great doing this show for you and there is something really nice about having a true crime podcast i feel um that has an actual cop talking about actual stuff that happened to them so i'm really grateful to you as well dad um but sincerity can be put to one side for a minute uh because we have stories i'm going to give you these prompts and it is your job to fill them out as best as possible okay here we go newspaper in shoe Okay, well, look, that particular one, do you mind if I make that the last one? Oh, sure. Because there's a lot of pathos attached to that story. Yeah, sure. Because it, it was a turning point in my career. I mean, this would imply you want to finish the show on a down note, but that's okay. It's not so much. It's a, it's a wholesome note. Uh, nappies? Yeah, nappies. That's a, I'll, I'll start with nappies. Start with nappies? Now, I Many people do start with real, nappies. I'd yeah. like, true. I'd like to let the listeners know that these nappy, this nappy story is not about me wearing nappies. Uh, as far as we know. Hmm. All right. So... This is just a quick story. It's about uh, how you're working one night with a colleague. You get a call to an apartment in Camaray, which is, um, you know, a decent suburb. One of the weird things about policing that I've noticed is that uh, there was a misconception about, uh, you know, if you live in a really great suburb, it's crime-free. Uh, you've got to live out... If you live in Shitsville, it's, it's, it's shit. But, you know, that's absolute bullshit particularly when it comes to in my opinion domestic violence which is a whole another topic that we won't go into this This, time sure but this particular story very very short story we're on patrol we get a call to an apartment uh there was a uh, some kids were crying and we're banging on the door we can hear the little uh there was a i think two kids inside a little um like a playpen yeah and we're banging on the door and there's no answer, so we ended up kicking the door in. Hey, how do you kick a door down, by the way? With just great quickly. difficulty. Where do you aim for with your Around the lock. And right. we were lucky that we actually could break the door. How many goes does it take normally? Numerous. I'm just It's one of those things I've always wanted to do. It's I'd... nearly impossible. Okay, but you did. Yeah, because you know we had good reason to. Plus, I'm guessing had... the adrenaline of having children crying Correct. is yeah, okay. really, really upsetting. Yeah, okay. And you know, I was a young copper, and you, my dear Paul, mm. would have been... One. Okay. And maybe, maybe you know, mum was pregnant with your sister. So the sound of crying children is obviously going to hit a real chord with yeah, you at this yeah. point. And, and, and our priority was to, uh, was to get in quick, smart, and see what, what was going on. So yep. we break into this apartment, which was in a good suburb, as I said. And it was near uh, a club in North Sydney. And we are confronted with squalor. And, and, and there was a bit of a stench. And there was a little baby in a shitty nappy. Uh, 
and there was another little kid, a bit older, sitting up. And these kids were clearly traumatised. They were shit scared seeing these two strangers sort of appearing in their little lounge room. They'd been there for a long, long time by themselves. And the, no, the, the, the parents weren't there. But these children were, were, they were being kept in this pen. And it was just really, really upsetting. And the little baby that was lying down, I saw a cockroach crawl out of its nappy. Oh, oh yeah. So I immediately thought, well, this is pretty fucked. So we got on the radio and I picked up the little kid and I'm holding the little baby mm. and my colleagues with the other little baby and we basically said, look, we've got a situation here. There are no sign of the parents and we're taking the kids. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. We took the children. We carried them physically out of the building. Are you allowed to do that? We weren't leaving them there. There was no sign of the parents. Turns out yep. the parents had gone to the club for the night, got pissed and played the pokies. Oh, yeah, stand-up parents. And just stayed out gambling all night. And stayed out. Yeah. And we, we didn't know. You know, we can't hang around all night waiting for people to come home. That's not how it works. Yeah, so we grabbed the kids. Yeah. We wanted the kids out of there. Mm. We made an executive decision that these children were not living with people that were capable of giving them the love and care that they required. So we did what we had to do, and I was... And it was fucked. What we, happened to we the... We got the kids back to the police station. Yeah. And uh, we sent someone up to uh, to the to the apartment. And, you know, they waited. And we uh, we dealt and we got the authorities into the station. And we, we like, it was like a creche. But that, it was... The apartment was really bad, It was right? rotten. Right, okay. Like it was... You wouldn't have ever... If, if, the, if the occupants had have said to you, oh, would you like a glass of water? You'd, you'd decline. Right, okay. It was... It was crook did you ever meet the uh the people no didn't want to <laughs> so that's that story what do you think do you, do you did you find it because obviously the last pl- thing you want to do is separate parents and children right i actually wasn't thinking along those lines that night okay i just thought these kids are i mean it's pretty bad when cockroaches are in your nappy i think that's a fairly yeah yeah you know yeah i think we're starting to cross the cross the I agree. Limits. I agree. I agree. Um, okay. Well, that was. Um, That's an uplifting story, isn't it? It's pretty depressing. Yep. All right. Well, this next one sounds uplifting. Coroner. Okay. <clears throat> now, this is a, a good little yarn. Great. Uh, again, I remember exactly what time, what shift, the location to within five millimeters. Oh, I remember everything about this. And sure. this is a classic. Okay. It's a. Car accident, it's happened in uh, Crow's Nest Yep. at a fairly well-known service station. Do you want to name it? Well, it's just a big, big oh, okay. service station. Sure. So what happened was it happened at this major intersection yep. and all the cars made their way into the service station because it was uh, the, the weather was inclement yep. and there were a couple of cars involved and the offending driver was... Um, was pissed. He was drunk. Okay. But you can't just say, I, 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 can't, I can't get in court and go, he was drunk. They go, right, well, can you please explain to us how you came to that conclusion? Sure. Now, back in the day, we used to carry this little green box and inside it were these glass test tubes. Yep. And you would, they were, they were surreal. You'd 
kind of pull one of the tubes out. There was a little, uh, like a little razor blade, like a sort of serrated blade in the in the in the in the end, and you'd rub this this tube. Yeah. For the people that can't see what I'm doing, I'm. He's kind of like swishing his hand back and forth. That's it. Yep. Demonstrating cutting off the end of a tube. You'd snap it. Yep. You'd then put one end into a mouthpiece. Yep. You'd snap the other end and it would go into a bag. So you'd say to the driver, you'd read out this sort of what was called a form of demand where you'd give them this bit, bit of a spiel about, I now require you to, you know, give me um, a, you know, a sample of your breath, mm. words to that effect. Failure to do so. Or not to, or just because there were smart asses. There were people that would sort of blow around the mouthpiece, so no air would go in the actual bag. Mm. Because what happened was the air that you were exhaling would travel through these crystals inside the glass tube, mm-hmm. and the alcohol would react with the said crystals in the enclosed capsule. And because it was glass and transparent, mm. it would then change colour. When you see and that pretty much straight away? or Yeah, pretty quickly. And then based on the discoloration of the white crystals, I don't remember whether they went green or blue, whatever, mm. you would then say to the person, I'm now arresting you where you will be taken to, in most cases, North Sydney Police Station, yep. where you will undergo a breath analysis. Right, so this is just kind of like a... This is an indicator, but yep. doesn't prove anything. However, this particular guy who was, hmm, let me see, probably... He would have been around about between 55 and 60. Okay. How was he dressed? Very well. Right. What kind of car was it? Do you remember? <sighs> it was a nice car. He was, you know, he was, he was, to use a loose term, he he was, you know, shall I use the the term? He was, um, he looked reputable. Class, and uh, guy, yeah. And just a decent sort of a good looking, mm-hmm. well-dressed, nondescript type of guy. And I've gone over to do my my speech and prepare the the tube in front of him and he was uh, not leaving his car he wouldn't get out of the car so i then said okay okay you know i went through my spiel and i gave him the bag and the tube yeah and when he he, when he's he's supposed to really put some effort into blowing this thing up but he just refused to blow the bag the air that he was the air that he was exhaling was going either side of the tube none into the into the bag, and 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 you can watch this bag. The bag either inflates yeah. or it doesn't. Well, the bag's there to show you, presumably, they're making an effort. Correct. Yeah. And then I I gave him a few warnings, and I said, look, failure to provide me with a sample will automatically yeah that will will be regarded as f- refuse breath test, which is a really serious offence. Yeah. And uh, he 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 just basically he didn't give a fuck. He was not going to do it, and uh, he wouldn't look at me. And I'm thinking, who the f- and I just, I thought, something's not right here. And then all of a sudden, God. <laughs> the look on Dad's face. A police face officer right comes up to me, a senior police officer. He grabs my shoulder. Mm. He pulls me away from this car. He spins me around and he says to me, that's the coroner. End of story. No further police action. Did he, he was in the wrong. He was maggoted. But the powers that be that day had said to me quite clearly, you ain't getting anything out of that guy. Forget it. Let's just carry on regardless. Right. So the guy didn't even try and apologize and Nothing. go... No, he wouldn't talk to me. And the senior police officer, there must have been someone had... I don't know what had happened, yeah. but someone had recognized him. Yeah. 
and or he'd whispered in some senior police officer's ear mm. that this is and that's I'm not saying that that's I'm not saying that that's a rare occurrence but it was pretty rare okay um, but there, there's just an example of uh, you know if you had some clout now when you say the coroner who do you well that's what I was told oh no no I'm just trying to figure out like how senior this guy was where well, he was if stationed it's the coroner yeah he works out of Glebe out of the uh, Division of Forensic Medicine, and the coroners are fairly... Okay. I th- I'm pretty sure there's only one coroner in New South Wales. Did anyone get hurt? Um, it wasn't a fatality, but it was a pretty serious motor vehicle accident. You know what I love about this is people could reverse engineer and figure out who this guy is. Whatever. That, that's, I'm just going on. He's trying to look cool. What I was told. I'd be nervous too. Yep. Um, here is another one. Buddhist temple slash mental health. Yeah, that's a tough one. Is it? Yep, because um, what a lot of people may not realise is that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about boat people and stopping the boats and all that sort of stuff. But we had, uh, from the Vietnam War, Mm. we had people coming, the the Vietnamese boat people were coming here. And funnily enough, they were actually staying at the quarantine station at Manly Mm. up until the mid-70s. I didn't know Which is amazing. And uh, that would have been a very dehumanising process, I imagine. Yeah. but these people, once they'd become semi-assimilated into society here, you know, a lot of them did um, have that, that stress of, you know, ongoing mental health issues. Yeah. And there was a beautiful uh, temple. I think it was Buddhist or Taoist temple in North Sydney. And we got a call one afternoon and actually Christine remembers this story, which is pretty amazing. So we, we must have been maybe working together. Oh, okay. This and, is uh, um, great. Yeah, and uh, it was a call to this temple where this young guy, this Vietnamese, um, you know, it's like teenager. Yeah, he had a nervous breakdown, and he, his brain had completely snapped. We don't know why. Right, right, right. But I'll never forget. He was at the front of this beautiful temple, and he was so off the air. Yeah, that he'd he'd sort of gathered this incredible superhuman strength. And we couldn't get near him. And he was picking up bricks from this beautiful garden and he was throwing the bricks at us. But he was throwing the bricks with such power and speed that we realised he was throwing them like they were ping pong balls. Now, bricks a heavy thing. Yeah. But he had this super demonic strength and he'd completely and utterly lost the plot. Right. And the thing is that we didn't have civil disobedience. You couldn't call the TRG. We didn't have tasers. We just needed to dodge backup. the bricks or something. And and we needed someone to be able to to sort of get in and so I it was ch- it was decided that I was going to be the decoy. Oh, so I'm the guy standing in front of him that's mm. having bricks hurled at me and I'm dodging bricks. But what we'd done, we'd called a very very famous international footballer who his name was and he's probably still alive, Don McKinnon, okay. and he's actually a giant. Right. He's technically a. You see, I'm, I read a lot of fantasy novels, so when you say he's actually a giant, I'm like, well, there's no way that's possible. Well, he is. He's is in, he? in terms of uh, normal, you know, the standard size, he's so big that he's, when he wore a police hat, yeah. it, it looked like a thimble on his head. It's like a Hagrid situation. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The hat was tiny. <laughs> And it just precariously balanced on top of his head. Right, so but he was a professional footballer. He played first grade for rugby league yeah. uh, for, for um, first grade league rugby league for North Sydney. Mm-hmm. But he was a he's huge. Yeah, he is a massive human being. Mm. And he we 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 somehow or other got him. He was working, but he wasn't working general duties. He was in some other f- section. But we had explained that we needed you know some serious help. So I'm sort of the decoy at the front and the sun's going down and I'll never forget seeing Don McKinnon come from behind and then Don McKinnon started running toward this little guy but with super superpowers mm. and uh, and I remember Don McKinnon wrapping his huge torso around this little spindly guy and Don McKinnon pile drove this guy along a garden bed oh. and he was literally, it was like watching that... Uh, in the beginning of Superman, when the the little capsule hits the earth <laughs> and, and it like, creates a furrow, yeah, 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 yeah. and it goes along the yeah. through the fu- through the, the farm farmland, it was well, it was like that, and they just kept going, and it was like he like he was like ploughing the garden with this guy's head, sure. and eventually, uh, by the time they came to a to a halt, yeah. uh, we 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 stepped in. Now, that's not the end of the story, okay, because. Uh, I then had to convey this poor guy. Now we used the paddy wagon, which, in t- when you think about it, it's pretty, pretty inhuman and pretty sad. You sort of you handcuff them, and he's look. We were just not set up for, for dealing with you know people like that. And we put him in the back of the van, you know, and he probably could have self harmed in the back of the van. But you know, we we headed off in the big paddy wagon, and we drove to ride which is where there was, and perhaps still is, but definitely back then was a mental institution. Okay. This is before that they, they came into the, into the new laws of, with the Mental Health Act where, I mean, everyone was institutionalised. And as a police officer, we would regularly schedule under Section 13 of the Mental Health Act. So if you were a sergeant or above, yeah. you could go to the sergeant on the way and say, <clears throat> we need to schedule this particular guy. And there was paperwork. There was a book at the station, and they'd fill out a schedule. And so we'd go via the station. The sergeant would come out. He'd hear this guy in the back of the van. You know, look, 
you know, it's pretty pretty depressing. Sure. And then we go, so we get all the paperwork and we head over to uh, to ride. Yeah. And then we escort this guy. And by then he'd calmed down. He was crying and he was uh, it was very sad. And uh, we take him into the into the institution. We have to take our guns off, obviously. But the thing about going into mental institutions back then is that the people the the people in the institution, the the patients, they for some reason or other, absolutely love police. They love them, and it was not uncommon to have really attractive women taking their nighties off in front of us to to show their affection Jesus. and wrapping their bodies around us. So it was sort of walking the gauntlet of bit weird, bit weird. Uh, and then having men do the same. Great. Which is, you know. It's nice. Compliments, compliments. Yeah, compliments. And they'd be sort of caressing you and rubbing you and tickling you and stroking your cheeks. And because they saw in the police something that they could relate to, something which is kind of nice looking back that they weren't, well, apparently they didn't seem scared, mm. which is nice. Because mm. I think most police, at least speaking from my experience, had a, a bit of a soft spot sure. for people with mental illness. Right. So. Yeah. And anyway, we, uh, we, uh, he was taken into the mental institution and, and then he was looked after and then he, he came good. Oh, that's nice. Which is nice. That's a relatively happy ending. Yep. You've had a interesting history with Buddhist temples. Um, Mum and Dad uh, spend a fair bit of time in Thailand. Um, and last time we were... You, you took um, Tegan and my, my partner and Mum and yourself and myself to this temple on the top of this uh, hill. Mm. Um, can you relay what happened to you at that temple with yep. mum previously? Yep. I will relay it, providing that the listener doesn't think I need to be scheduled. No, no, because I heard this story and I thought, that's weird, but I didn't think you were nuts. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was kind of um, an important story. Yep, Just, yep. Yeah. Okay, so we were in this amazing temple on an island. Oh, not an island. On it's in the south of Thailand. It's near where we've built this amazing minimalist house with a Japanese garden, which I like to talk about. And Paul, Tegan, myself, and Christine were at this beautiful temple. It was just—it's crazy. It's like it's—it's—it's it's, it's like a goddamn movie. It's, it's there's mountains towering around with forests, and it's just—it's stunning. And there was a breeze, and there was chanting, and it's—and there was no one there. And Christine went into the main, fairly small temple on the very top of the hill, and there's just this amazing uh, altar with numerous um, deities standing. And there's this sort of beautiful red carpeted area, and I'm in the room with Christine. I walk to the side up near to where the temple was. I was fairly close, and Christine, who was standing in front of all these deities, she I turned around and she wasn't there. She'd completely vanished. And I looked around and I really... Look, it's a small room and I'm looking around and I actually went to all the doors. There were two main doors and I looked out and she wasn't there. And then I turned around and there she was standing in the space or the, the exact place that I'd seen her maybe a minute before. But for around about a minute she wasn't there... And then I, I was really, really affected. And I went up to Christine and I said, I explained to her what had happened. And she said to me that she was there and she was watching me walking around looking for her. And she wasn't there. Now, that's a story. That's- I, well, I've been to... We, we, so, Dad took all of us to the temple to have a look around. I think partly to verify his story that there's no way she could have hidden. 
So the altar is dead center in a very large room. So if you're standing, there'd be no time to run out of the room. No. There's zero hidden nooks or crannies. And mum is the, like, these are two ex-cops. These, they do not peddle bullshit. Like, it is like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not a fanciful story. It's, it's like just the facts, man, basically. So I went up there and you can hear these bells in the distance and this breeze sprung up and you can smell the ocean. And it was just, it felt like I was on another planet. It was mm, stunning. It was very weird. Really beautiful. It was a weird room with a really yeah. fantastic energy. Amazing. In I just wanted to inject a little... I just thought it was an interesting yeah, story. It. Yep. Now, look, um, I think we're going to tell the story about... Oh, yes. So, yeah, we are we are nearing time for the end of uh, this episode. And uh, you mentioned that you had a story uh, about the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. So, Paul's just said to me, newspaper. That's We have these little words, these uh, prompts mm. that um, we come up with prior to. Because important to know for all the listeners that this series of podcasts is 100%... Unscripted. Unscripted. That is something actually we probably should have mentioned earlier in the yeah. season. So there's no scripting. No, there's uh, zero and very little planning. Nothing. Either. Yeah. I just I just come up with some words. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've taken notes over the last two years, two and a half years. I'm sitting in front of this uh, this leather bound book where I've just got bullet notes. But when it comes to the podcast and this this banter, this communication, this this the storytelling, it is unscripted. Yeah. It's raw. It's and the great thing about all the stories is that they're all true because it's really, really easy for me to talk the way I do if it's the truth because it's just, you don't have to really, it's just there in, in the recesses of my mind and I find that um, I, I really enjoy it. Now, I thought we'd finish on this particular story because it's it's one of those stories that made me question my time in the police force mm. as to what I was actually doing. When was this, by the way? Look, in the new book, we're going to be talking, because there are so many stories to do with forensics, fingerprints, scientific, you know, all the bad shit. Yeah. The rapes, the murders, the arsons, the most horrendous stories that we haven't even haven't touched on. Yeah, the point is to make this a long-running story with different arcs and yeah. stuff like that. So, we, yeah. 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 But there was a time... <clears throat> when I was with my colleague, he and I, that were absolutely just, you know, we, we, we were really good operators. We we used to get a lot of, we used to make a lot of arrests. Is and, this uh, Julian? Yep. Okay. And uh, we were we were approached by uh, the detectives at North Sydney to actually, we were invited to become detectives uh, because we, we, were, we were on a roll. We used to hit, hit the street and we'd go out and just go crazy. We'd be... Um, we we were basically arresting everything that moved. Yeah, it, it was insane, and we were charging prisoners with really, really complex, um, charging them with complex crimes that involved, you know, they were really, really um, difficult to 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 prove. Yeah, uh, they involved a lot of a lot of they weren't just basic crime. We we'd go out and really get involved in like larceny and and just stuff that was pretty full on. Anyway, so. The point is that we became cocky mm. and we became... We were like the dynamic duo. I was Batman, of course. Of course. And uh, I forgot. I I lost the point of what what the purpose was of policing. I thought it was all about Quotas just going and out and ripping into people and just bringing people back and processing them and charging them and getting them off the street and getting out again and arresting and re-arresting and just... And, and, and it became... A sort of madness and um anyway here's the story sure so 
One day, my colleague and myself, we got involved in this arrest, and it was a fairly complicated arrest, uh, but my colleague and myself, we, we thought we could handle it, and it was a kind of a larceny in the or principal in the second degree and it was it was full on it was real textbook stuff sure and most in fact it was not a general duties uh crime it was one of those ones where general duties would have arrested the guy then handed this particular person straight over to the detectives and they would have then commenced a very lengthy process of charging him with complex fraud but my colleague and myself we were on a roll and um we we uh, arrested this guy and uh, we took him back to the station and we were feeling chuffed with what we were going to charge him with and the station sergeant was going, wow, guys, this is like, wow, you sure you don't want to get the D's involved? And we said, oh, yeah, we can handle this. So we began our record of interview mm. with the guy and um, this guy, he, so I was the good cop <clears throat> and my colleague was the bad cop. Mm. And we all know how that works. Um, and so my my job, whenever we were interviewing, was to just work on um, weaknesses within the character, mm. uh, find character flaws, just find a little opening, no matter what it was. And I became really good at it, but I was really exploiting uh, people's vulnerable people. Yeah. So this guy, he... He was fairly laid back and he was a bit of a smart ass and he was sort of dressed a little bit, I guess, slightly sadly. And he put one of his feet up on the desk for a a split second and my colleague kicked his leg, kicked his foot off... um, Off the desk. Off the desk. But in in that split second, I had seen something that for me was a vulnerable point to exploit right now the listeners are going what the what on earth could you have seen in that second and you know what i saw paul right he had a hole in his shoe have i ever told you this story no i don't think so so he had a hole in his shoe and he'd packed it with newspaper so he obviously couldn't afford this is what's going through my mind yeah you can't afford to go to a tailor you can't afford some more shoes you're living on the street and then i said to him this is all based on this microsecond image i said you know, where do you eat? How do you survive? And he started to tell me that he survived on the street by um, living out of the back of those bins, at the back of the big stores. Yeah. So he was living rough yeah. and really rough. But he was, look, he turned out to be a fairly decent bloke. And I th- and for a while I was exploiting that weakness in his character. And then I began, and, and, and then all of a sudden I had an epiphany where I actually said to myself, what the fuck am I doing? This is bullshit. It, it, it was like I was going out there every day to get, get arrests and build, make a very good name for myself mm. and as being very competent and able to handle you know complex investigations. And then when I saw this poor guy living rough and I just thought, and I felt really bad that we'd um, brought him in mm. and we were going to fuck him over. And I just thought, I can't do it anymore. So I... It was one of those turning points in my life where I just thought, it's just, it's bullshit. I'm not saying it's all bullshit. Mm. There are people that are bad people that really deserve to, you know. Yeah. Be. But in pursuing quotas, you kind of probably, you know, um, 
ignore the human element in some people's stories i guess yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's tricky i mean because yeah. you, you've often talked to me about your willingness to like you know bend things to kind of be compassionate towards people i i guess that's a really important yeah and you've got to maintain your humanity and uh yeah you know it's a it's a i'll never forget this um this guy that i know he he's, he's an elderly guy and he's a sweet guy but he's I don't know. I can't describe him. In fact, you you know the guy, Paul. Okay, okay. And um, he proudly once told me he's a, he's a sweet guy, but he's got no fucking idea. And he proudly told me that his daughter he's got he's got two daughters, and they're sweet girls, but fucking naive. And one of them married a highway patrol motorcyclist. And this guy that I'll tell you off off off, off Mike, Mike yeah. who the guy is, and you, you'll. You won't believe it. Mm. And um, and he proudly one day said to me, he said, you know, John, he said, I'm so proud of, of my new son-in-law. He arrests people on his days off or he's a highway patrol guy and on his motorbike, he, he, he works in the city and he lives on the central coast and he, he, he books people on the way home off duty. But it's like a badge of honour. And the, But the father-in-law... Is, is talking to me as though this is something to be proud of. And I thought to myself, mate, you fucking lost the plot. It's illegal, right? But no, no, it's not illegal. Isn't God, it? God, no. Police can arrest and do whatever they like, whenever they like. Really? Oh, you know, the, the second you announce your your office, you're on duty. That's terrible. But the thing is that the Higher Patrol, um, you know... It's all quotas for them. <sighs> look, it's just depressing. We talk but, about, but, yeah. But just on that note, if I may end the entire first season with a tiny tiny story great yeah highway patrol officer true story yep heading north mm. sees a white panel van pulled over on the side of the pacific highway yeah for some reason or other he goes up and it's a funeral it's like a government contractor that they, they carry the um the bodies the bodies and he opened up the back and there was a funeral director shagging a deceased a corpse fuck off yep true story you know of all the places I thought this season would end up, I didn't think it would end up balls deep in a dead body. Thank you so much, and sorry very much <laughs> for that. Thank you for listening to Season 1 of Loose Units, the podcast. If you haven't already read Loose Units, the book, get on it. If you haven't listened to Loose Units, the audiobook, it's a good thing to put in your ear holes. Um, head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units for all the updates as to when we'll be back. We're only taking a few weeks off, don't worry. We just have to recuperate and plan season two, uh, plan book two. It's all happening over here at Loose Units HQ. Thank you so very much for making this show such a roaring success. And thanks for all the feedback and the love and the reviews and the ratings. And just thanks for sharing it, you know, like some sort of terrible plague. Dad, do you have any uh, parting words? Paul, it's been fun. That'll do, I guess. See you soon, everyone! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.